When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you good at guessing what people want? This year, stop guessing and give them what they want. From burgers to video games to ripped jeans. They pick their gift from some of their favorite brands with a choice gift card from giftcards.com. It's genius. Hi, this is Jay Billis of ESPN, and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. It's the ML Sports Platter all over the major platforms like Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts, and more. Go ahead and download, subscribe, leave feedback, and a five-star review. We are brought to you by Welch & Company Jewelers, Prestwick Golf, the Syracuse Fitness Store, and my good pals at Rosie's Corner. In and around Central New York, home seeing friends and family over the summertime break. I tell you what, I mean, they are crushing it. Fish Friday every week, mac and cheese available with that, or fries and coleslaw. And, of course, mac and cheese available both Thursday and Friday. Pizza and wing combinations are always available. I would recommend those garlic parm and gold fever wings as well. Rosie's Corner, a proud ML Sports Platter sponsor. They've got Pepsi products, chicken salads, desserts, all in the cooler, ready to rock for you as well. This, by the way, a crossover episode, ML Sports Platter and the Bills Brawl. And with that, we bring in... A guy who really does an awesome job, Anthony Prohaska. Uh, you can get him on Twitter, of course, at pro underscore A-N-T. That's at pro underscore A-N-T. Uh, he is the co-host of the Cover One Fantasy Football Show and uh, is under the umbrella of Cover One Sports Network. Tremendous, tremendous place to go check out Buffalo Bills coverage, NFL coverage, film, which is incredible. Uh, the breakdowns that they give you, uh, the way they look at the game, the way they see the game, it's really, really, really awesome. Anthony, welcome aboard here, pal. Thanks for a few minutes. I'm good. How are you? Things are very, very well. Let's start with Josh Allen. Um, going into 2021, he's got the pressure. The Bills have the pressure. The bullseye's on the back now. They're expected to win. When you watch the film from last year, you know, over and over and over again leading into this year. We got training camp here, of course. Uh, currently, uh, where is the hole in Josh Allen's game? Where where does he, I mean, is, is there anything he's got to complete in the arsenal here to become that overall complete elite guy, or is he already there from a film standpoint? I think he was pretty spot on in his self-analysis early in the May mini camps and everything when he talked about his... Um, his work ethic this offseason in getting better towards the intermediate throws and being able to get more yards after catch for his receivers. I think that obviously with the year that Josh Allen had being in the MVP conversation and putting up the numbers and everything that he did, there's not too much to poke in his game. But that intermediate area was something that he didn't do tremendous at. And we had multiple film breakdowns from Eric Turner at cover one showing how, you know, sometimes on those deep crosses or those ends or those digs, he would just put the ball 
a little bit behind his guy or just not put it in the right spot to allow that yard after the catch over the middle of the field. One of them led to a deflection off of Andre Roberts' hands and to an interception for the Tennessee Titans in that game earlier in the year. So I think that's an area where I'd like to see him improve, and it's nice to hear him talking about it as well. In addition to the overarching holistic aspect of yards after catch for his receivers, you know, putting the ball in better spots to allow his guys to get it, whether it's like a five yard over or something deeper and take advantage of the separation they generate. So he put a lot of things together last off season going into the 2020 season and we saw paid dividends. And I think the yards after catch aspect in that intermediate passing area this year could potentially lead him to see another jump. And either way, it's nice to see the fact that he's not satisfied with what happened last year. He's continuing to grind, continuing to work. And I think we'll see an improved Josh Allen again this year in 2021. This year is obviously very important for the defense. I'm not saying they need to turn into the 85 Bears, the 70 Steel Curtain, not saying that. But, you know, just a little bit better. You know, get to the quarterback a little bit more. You know, hey, be average. If they're average, look out. And the offense does what they did. I mean, God, the Bills could win the whole thing. Um the defense, where where are the holes there, and and how big of a you know give me ceiling floor with this group because this is a big year you would agree. Oh, for sure, it's a, it's a massive year, and you already alluded to it. If I mean, knock on wood, I'm very superstitious, so I'm going to knock on wood right now. But you would think the offense would stay on pace this year in in terms of what they did last year. So if you just get a top ten defense to play alongside that, you are a very threatening unit. And I think it's tough looking at the holes for the defense, especially if you're using last year as your measuring stick. You know, there had the, the COVID offseason, and then it led to defense struggling as a whole in 2020. You have the injury to Tremaine Edmonds. You have the injury to Matt Milano. You had some games where COVID affected who played defense. You have the start of the lay opt-out. There were so many wild cards that were thrown into the defense last year. But if we're looking at holes – I don't know if I'd say holes, but I'll go with deficiencies. I think getting home to the quarterback is something. I, I don't think the, the pass rush aspect was as deficient last year as people like to make it out to be. You know, If you're looking at pressures and if you're looking at pass rush win rate, the Bills defensive line actually did pretty well. Now, pressures are nice and pass rush win rate is nice as well, but obviously sacks are fantastic and getting home is something to keep an eye on. And I think that's why you get a guy like Rousseau and a guy like Basham guys that can compress the pocket and finish a little bit more. And especially a guy like Rousseau who, you know, if you've got guys up front who can generate havoc and then Rousseau has the length where, you know, if he can reach the quarterback from the line of scrimmage, just with his giant group tree arms, you know, that's, that's something nice as well. And I also think potentially, not again, not a whole, but a deficiency. Some of the coverage aspects on the back end. I, I really like the platoon of Levi Wallace and Dane Jackson. I think that's a good option, but I really wanted a corner too this past off season, especially if we could have gotten one in the draft, someone who allows us a little more scheme versatility on the back end and allows us to match up and do different things. And I know this is a zone based defense and the Bills secondary is good at zone coverage, but somebody that just allows us to do different things, wear different hats. And again, I'm always thinking that that matchup with Kansas city, having another corner who was maybe a little more athletic with a little more speed, who can run with the Tyreek Hills of the world, and the Nicole Hardman's of the world. Not that that's easy because those guys have world-class speed, but I think that could be something as well. But I trust in McDermott to, uh, and Frazier to mitigate those deficiencies. And we could see if Bill's defense returned to form in 2021, 
um, return to their form from 2019 when they were one of the best units in football. So what are your realistic expectations for this bunch, for this for this team in 2021? I know you guys just recently, a couple days ago, did you know game-by-game, end-of-season predictions, and everything in between. What, what does... What does it look like for you? I think realistically, if we're going to look at it from a record perspective, granted, things can happen, but I think this is anywhere from an 11 win to a 13-14 win team. I think 13-4, and four, it's still so weird to say those records because of the 18-game season and the 17 games that are played. Um, I'm thinking like 13-4, and 12-5. At end-of-the-year expectations, I expect the Bills to win the division. And... It's so, it's so weird, crazy to say because I'm so superstitious. I expect the Bills to get to the AFC Championship. At this point, I still I don't love the Bills matching up against Kansas City. I'm super intrigued to see what happens when they play them early in the season yep. and how they match up. And if they learned anything from the two games last year, I think that's that, that, that that's the biggest hindrance to the Bills getting to the Super Bowl. Granted, there are other teams in the AFC that are going to be tough. I think Cleveland is a tough out. I still think Baltimore is a tough out. Tennessee, I think the Colts are being vastly overlooked in terms of what kind of team they are. And they gave Buffalo problems last year in the playoffs. So it's not going to be an easy road, but Kansas city is the biggest and most massive hurdle for the bills. But I expect them to be a final four team again, whether or not they get to the super bowl for me right now depends on if they're playing the Kansas city chiefs in the AFC championship. But I think the bills are a final four team again in 2021. Like well, they were in 2020. And I think along those lines, there's one huge factor. They've got to go through the regular season and have the best record because they're not mm-hmm. going into arrowhead and winning that football game. Anthony, they're, I mean, could they? Sure. Will they? I, I say no. I, I, I mean, I just the home field aspect, especially I you know, look weather's the same, Casey Buffalo, you know, whatever, flip a coin. But yeah. having Bill's Mafia, having the home game, I don't know, man. All the nostalgia coming back from the nineties. It could backfire, who knows? But I, I like I like my chances better in Western New York for that game than, than I do Arrowhead. Oh, for sure. I would take a home game over a road game every single day of the week, regardless of the sport, regardless of its regular season, postseason, anything. Yeah, I would take that home game and that's a really good point you know i i really like what the chargers did this past offseason and the development of justin herbert should hopefully continue and it's it's cool to see just in a vacuum for them but i really like it for the fact that kansas city has another team in the division that may be able to take a win or two away from them you know we saw the chargers play them tough last year especially in herbert's first game I'm hoping, exactly to your point, that if Kansas City can get some more losses built into that regular season, the Bills were so close to the number one seed yeah. last year, and they ended up getting the two. If they could get the one, and we know that the road to the Super Bowl through the in the AFC goes through Buffalo, that is a massive, massive, massive thing. And yeah, I would whatever the odds are for the Bills beating the Chiefs, they go up drastically if that playoff game is in Buffalo versus it being in Kansas City. Cover One Sports Network, host of Disguise Coverage, co-host of the Cover One Fantasy Football Show. It's our buddy Anthony Prohaska here on the ML Sports Platter and a crossover episode with the Bills Brawl, all brought to you by our good friends at Bryant and Stratton College and CNY Electrical. You you know your fantasy. I know you love it. Um, I, my friends basically ear-dragged me into a league last year. I, I don't love it. I think it... it for me, it takes away from watching the game the way I want to watch it, covering the game the way I want to cover it. It is fun. 
you talk smack with your buddies. Uh, it's a competition. You, you, there's different little things that I learned that, you know, hey, I haven't done this in 20 years. It's, it's kind of fun. Last time I did it, I didn't have a cell phone, um, you know, a smartphone, <laughs> right? I had a track phone. Uh, that's how old I am now. Um, but fantasy football in relation to the Bills, best fantasy you know, players to take. And, and, and why don't you follow that up with what, you know, kind of your perfect fantasy roster might look like this coming season, Anthony? Ooh, good question. Um, this is a fun season to be a Bills fan and play fantasy football because the Bills are fantasy relevant. Throw, throw, sure. throw, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, it's, it's so yeah. exciting from a fantasy perspective. And you've got guys that, you know, I, I've been playing fantasy football for, you know, 14, 15 years minimum. I, I might even be more than that. And I've never really taken Bills players. And I've been in leagues, obviously, with a lot of Bills fans. And you always see somebody taking a Bills player earlier than you should. Than you should but it's because, well... You know, I'm a fan, and it literally never pans out. This year, it can. I mean, Josh Allen is easily a top-five quarterback in fantasy, realistically like a top three, especially in dynasty. Um, Stephon Diggs led the league in receptions and yards last year, so he's arguably the best fantasy receiver out there. And then you've got some little pieces. You know, Cole Beasley did really well last year. Gabe Davis is an interesting piece in dynasty drafts. But I think if you are looking at guys who are really going to be core pieces of your fantasy football team, Josh Allen and Stephon Diggs, I mean, it doesn't get much easier than just to say that. Um, You know, quarterbacks are usually, not even usually, are the highest scoring players in fantasy. So Josh Allen's going to serve you pretty well. And then Stephon Diggs, especially if you're playing in, a half a half point PPR or a full PPR, mm-hmm. he's gonna get you a lot of points. And you know, he I played the guy in the championship last year who had Stephon Diggs, and with every score against the Patriots, my odds of winning the championship went down more and more. So I know firsthand how great he can be. And in terms of my ideal roster, I usually I usually wait. Uh, especially if it's a redraft league, I wait on going quarterback. Mm-hmm. I am not one of the guys who takes Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson. I usually wait till round six, seven, eight at the earliest. Um, I really like to build my team with running backs and wide receivers early. I like to get an elite running back in the first at first two rounds, get an RB1, set your team up. But I don't think you can ever have too many running backs and wide receivers. And I usually build my team out from there um, and then grab a quarterback. Yeah, around six, seven, eight at the earliest if someone slips and falls. If you're not getting one of the elite tight ends, so Kelsey, Waller, or Kittle, I'm waiting on tight end uh, until later in the draft, and then you fill everything out from there. Yeah, so in the early going, it's, you know, Diggs, Adams, Tyree Kill, Kelsey, you know, uh, uh, Derek Henry, maybe a Dalvin Cook, and then from there uh, it, it kind of goes. I had Diggs last year on my roster, and uh, – he, he, he bailed my roster out a couple times, I'm not going to lie. I finished fifth in my league, which wasn't great. And, you know, if you're, if you're a sports media guy, by the way, and you play fantasy football, it's a no-win situation. If you win, your buddies are like, yeah, I mean, I talk sports, I know sports, but you, you, it's your job, man, you should win. And if you lose, there's more shit talk than ever before. It's oh, a no win. Yeah, because yeah. if you yeah, exactly if you win, it's like, well, you should win. And then if you lose, yeah, it's just like, well, dude, don't you do this for a living? Right? Yeah, better, yeah. Ha, 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 yeah, like, yeah. My boy, my boy does this for a living, and he got beat. Ha, ha. Yeah, it's 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 not great. And what's crazy about that argument by buddies, and again, some of it's fun, the other parts annoying, but <laughs> they what they some of them don't understand is 
playing fantasy sports, filling out a March Madness bracket, it's totally different than breaking down an X's and O's deal for a game. It's totally different than previewing Bill's Patriots and looking at matchups and seeing what happened the week before. There are some similarities. You can link them here and there. But in terms of actually playing, it's it's different, I think. I mean, that's why I was saying I, part of the reason I don't like it is just because it pulls away from you know, covering the game the way I want to, but would you would you say that that there it's different, right? Oh, you are spot on with that. One of my biggest pet peeves for fantasy football are the guys who, well, it's like, oh, well, do I know football? I don't know. I mean, I won like three fantasy championships, so obviously, and I'm like, that has nothing to do with anything. Like, that doesn't mean you know football because you've won fantasy. And I actually think, you know, I I, I consider myself pretty knowledgeable in the game of football. When I first started playing fantasy, and even through my tenure, the first half of my fantasy football career, I didn't do very good. And I was using real football strategy and thoughts and things that I was seeing, and I was using that and applying it to fantasy football, thinking like, oh, well, like this guy is such a great route runner, and he fits so perfect with this. He's going to do well in fantasy. And things like that never served me well. Fantasy football and real football are two vastly different things. You can have a guy who is a stud in fantasy football and does really well, and you can recognize that he might not have great real world or tremendous you know, real football value. I think Jalen Hurts is a very good example of that. I think Jalen Hurts is going to be very fantasy relevant this year because of the offense and the stats that he's able to put up. But when I sit here and say the Eagles are going to be a really good team, no. Do I think Jalen Hurts is a tremendous thrower of the football? Not at all. But he can succeed in fantasy football. And yeah, exactly to your point. They are two they are two different things. And I, I think you're also spot on too. It like it changes the way you watch the game. Like you are now you have like a different rooting interest and maybe it puts a little more emotion into it and all of a sudden you find yourself wanting to punch your TV because they gave it to the backup running back on the goal line for a touchdown instead of your running back who took it down there. Yeah, it's uh it's a different beast for sure, and yeah, that's one of my pet peeves as well. We're on the same page. Yeah, and there's just certain guys in your league, even if you're close to them in life, you just you don't want to lose to them. You know, you, no. There's just certain, you're like, oh, gosh, he's going to talk three times as much as anybody else. Uh, yeah, this whole coming, that guy who, yeah. the guy who's going to bring it up every, every time, time for like a year. I yes. don't remember when I beat you for the fantasy championship. I don't remember when you know, I did better than you, and then it's like, oh, my God, <laughs> dude, it's been like seven years. Yeah, yeah. right. Right, yeah. A um, couple more for you. Are, are you are you worried about the current COVID vaccination uh, differences amongst Bills players? Cole Beasley, Jerry Hughes, go at it on Twitter. Uh, I'm hoping it doesn't divide the locker room. I'm ho- you know it seems like they're they're. Ha- I know Twitter's Twitter. It, it, it's kind of cesspool city, but I think inside the walls, you know, there might be better, more educational conversation between both sides. Um, and Sean McDermott obviously is up against it because he's going to have to keep this thing together. But are you worried that this is going to become a problem through the year? You know, honestly, I'm not. And I saw a lot of, you know, as you mentioned it, Twitter is Twitter. I saw a lot of thoughts yesterday from non-Bills people saying like, oh, you know, I'm about to write the Bills off because of this, you know, locker room divide and all these things. And even those fans themselves who are worried about a possible divide, which I, I think is fair. I think the the most concerning thing for it or around it for me is 
usually, you know, the Bills are such a tight-lipped, tight ship. There is no, if at all, leaks that come out about anything. Like, when the Bills traded for Stephon Diggs, you didn't really hear leading up to it that the Bills were interested in Stephon Diggs. And that, that goes along with their entire plan. So to see, you know, Bills players being out in the open and, you know, the tea being spilled type of thing, I think that, for me, is the biggest kind of, you know, shock that there's stuff that has gotten out like that. But I think what's an interesting thing to think about when, when this whole thing with Cole Beasley first started several months ago, there were a lot of players that supported him. Mm-hmm. And then now, even with the players that are, you know, speaking, I guess, kind of against him, maybe if you want to use that Jerry Hughes example, it still seems very respectful. Now, part of it you could say is, well, cause Jerry Hughes is a leader and he's a very classy guy. And so out in the public, he wouldn't do that. But I think I, I wish I could have, remember the person who said it somebody posted on twitter yesterday that the culture that sean mcdermott has built is a culture of guys who grind and guys who are fighters and this is some of that like spilling out there you've got guys that are very strong-willed and who are strong with their convictions and they believe what they believe and they go to bat for those beliefs and they go to bat for those convictions Mm -hmm. and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing and i trust in sean mcdermott to be able to keep things together and also, you know, last offseason, COVID was nuts. And during the regular season, COVID was nuts. And the team found a way to stick together and have one of the greatest seasons in Buffalo Bills history. I trust that they'll be able to, you know, kind of get up and ice things and still be all right. I think a lot of this is being overblown. I think it's unfortunate that it spilled out into the public, but, um, and I would prefer not to have it. Like, I, I definitely don't think it's nothing, but I don't think it's as big of a deal as. You know, people are blowing it out to be and the people who are like, oh, you know, cut Cole Beasley now. So that way the locker room doesn't, you know, become toxic. I think that's too dramatic. I think everything will be OK. You know, the big difference, obviously, is the fact that this year we go into the season with a vaccination. We go into the season that we're yes. we, we were looking at coming out of it, but we have the vaccine. So, you know, it's easy to say, well, man, it would have been nice to have had the, uh, you know, the, 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 the roster, uh, you know, positive case roster uh, have to forfeit games. I remember some Bills fans were calling for the Titans and the Chiefs, yes. the, that whole thing, like when that fiasco happened. That was also when the Bills looked the worst last season. But it was, oh, well, Tennessee, I mean, they, they broke this. They didn't do that. The protocol, they should forfeit, blah, blah, blah. But now it's a different conversation because the whether you agree with getting the vaccination or not, you know, the conversation now is about the vaccination. It's about it's about non-vaccinated rosters. If they do completely just spill out and test positive, they're going to have to forfeit games. You couldn't do that last year because we didn't have a vaccination. It wasn't even an option for people. Yeah. So I think what is this year's case is, is the vaccination is a huge deal, number one. But number two, I'm not saying from a Cole Beasley standpoint – I'm not I'm I'm not saying that everybody can't have their own their own thought. I probably wouldn't get, you know, it either if it were up to me. But it's not up to me. <laughs> Nothing's up to me anymore. <laughs> what I'm getting at though is Cole Beasley is is in this spot. We get it. We understand he's very vocal about it. He doesn't want to get it. He's anti-vaccine blah blah blah. Okay. But for all the people who are anti-vaccine, if you could tell if you could make them understand, listen, Still just get it because for me, it's still about Anthony, like whether you feel like you should or shouldn't get the vaccine. I say, well, if you get it, it's closer to getting completely past this thing. And they have a common goal as a group 
to me, it makes more sense to do that, whether you, you don't want to get it or not. Yeah, I think that's fair. And especially when you're looking at it from a bigger aspect of, you know, because, because it's also tough. Like I, I respect and recognize someone's individual choice to not like, I don't want to do this thing, but you put in the perspective of what you choose you know, to get this vaccine or not, it has a larger scale impact. And I'm not talking from the entertainment standpoint of like fans want their team to all play together and be healthy and so on and so forth. But, you know, the chance of potentially mitigating the spread of COVID or and not only protecting yourself, but protecting your team mm-hmm. and yeah, mitigating outbreaks and all those things. It's a it's a big decision and it's a big thing. And I in a perfect world, yeah, I think people all see the vaccine get the vaccine and we're okay because we recognize the safety aspects of it. But I think even within it, you know, I know uh, it was tweeted out yesterday. I believe the NFL chief medical officer um, said at least 80% of the players are, or it says 80% of the players have taken at least one COVID-19 shot. Yeah. So I think if you have that combined with, you know, the unvaccinated players still having to test daily and then having the other protocols in place for that, I think the potential again, knock on wood of having an outbreak, is limited. I, I I think that's part of it too. You know, with the amount of players that have gotten at least one dose, let alone the players that have gotten two, combined with the protocols, I think we have some structure in place to mitigate an outbreak. Um, so that lessens the blow a little bit. But yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, everybody gets vaccinated and everybody's good to go. But you know, unfortunately, some players you know are going to hold true to their beliefs and their values. And you know, we see these guys in professional sports as larger than life and at the end of the day, for a lot of these guys, being in the NFL or be playing professional sports is just a job to them. And I think that's part of it, too. You don't put the shoe on the other foot. You know, if you worked a job and somebody and you came into work one day and your boss was like, hey, you have to get this thing. Like, not everybody's going to subscribe to that. And I think people need to think of that a little more as as this decision weighs tough. But, yeah, I wish everybody was just vaccinated and everybody was healthy and on the bills in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, look, in closing, why don't you give my listeners kind of an idea you know, the cover one history, your media background and career, you know, how you got hooked up with these guys. Just give it, give, give the cover one uh, timeline here. Sure. So cover one, I respected them for a long time. I started doing a podcast ooh, three or four years ago with a buddy of mine and we were focused on anything and everything. We cast a wide net. We would talk about sports. We talk about wrestling. We talk about movies, TV, food anything and everything under the sun. And then uh, my buddy had to step away and I was riding solo and casting that wide net just wasn't something I was enjoying as much without having my buddy. And I didn't really want to do a solo podcast. I only wanted to do it because, you know, it was something my buddy and I started, but we had built a little bit of a following. So, you know, I thought continue to grind and go at it, but you know, what could I do to make it more enjoyable for myself? And so I thought of the thing that I love most in the world, which is Buffalo sports. So I started doing, the Wagons and Warpaths podcast. It was focused on the Bills and the Sabres. I started that in April of 2020, but with everything going on with COVID, wasn't a lot of Sabres stuff to talk about. So I was pretty much exclusively talking about the Bills. And Cover One came calling last September um, and reached out regarding you know joining the team. And I I couldn't have been more over the moon. They are a group that. You know, there's a lot of content creation when it comes to things for the Bills, but I, I, what I love so much about Cover One and what I was so excited about to be included in that team for was the level of analysis, the level of breakdown, the amount of knowledge that comes from the team, the things that you hear. There's no hot takes. There's no 
let's put this out just for clickbait or let's put this out there just for attention. There are legitimate pieces of analysis and legitimate breakdowns that are put out for everything that cover one does. So I think we're the best in the business when it comes down to NFL content creation and analysis in general, but especially with everything for the Buffalo Bills with how close we are to that. And yeah, so I've been riding strong with cover one. It'll be a year in September and I still couldn't be happier. And I still pinch myself every day that I'm able to be a part of the team. Yeah, you guys do fantastic work. Cover one.net cover one sports network, Anthony Prohaska, of course, the co-host of the cover one fantasy football show host of disguise coverage. On Twitter, at pro underscore ant. That's at pro underscore A-N-T. Anthony, this was incredible. Keep up the amazing work. Hopefully I'll run into you in western New York in due time, man. Be well. Okay. Thanks for having me. You too. The ML Sports Platter is brought to you by our great friends over at the Al and Angus Pub, home of the best darn Angus Burger in town. They also have wraps and salads. Unbelievable French onion soup. Get on over to the Al and Angus Pub if you're in and around central New York, right there on Harrison Street. In Syracuse, big time thanks as well to our friends from Axe Exotic Pets, the Vince Guerra Consulting Group, Stanley Law Offices, and Liverpool Physical Therapy. All your post-op needs, go to Liverpool Physical Therapy today. Pete and the gang doing an amazing job. Unbelievable job. Speaking of, from uh, Anthony Prohaska here on the ML Sports Platter, a crossover episode of the Bills Brawl as well from Cover 1, just breaking it all down. Can't wait for football season, of course. I'm Mike Lindsley. Hit me on Twitter, at Mike L Sports. As I always tell you, Enjoy the games. You know when you order a new video game, or a golf club, or a blender, and then it arrives at your door, you get a little thrill. Imagine how much more thrilling it is when you order a new car. With Nissan at Home, you can shop for the perfect ride and order it without ever having to go anywhere. Sure beats a golf club or a blender. Buy a new car entirely online with Nissan at Home. Deliver direct from dealer to driveway. Thrill starts here. Services may vary at participating dealers subject to applicable lossy dealer for details. Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows granger has got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.